0: You're listening to Law Talk with Bill Powers, your resource for answers to your most pressing legal questions. Attorney Bill Powers sits down with some of today's leading legal minds to discuss everything from legal issues and legislation to practice tips and policy. Now, here's your host, an NBTA board-certified criminal law specialist, former president of the North Carolina Advocates for Justice and renowned trial lawyer, Bill Powers.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Law Talk with Bill Powers. I am your guest host, Robert Ingalls, for this episode, and I am here once again today with Mr. Bill Powers. How are you today, Bill? I'm well. All right. Today we are going to be talking about family law, specifically domestic violence, 50B restraining orders, and the interaction that they have uh, between criminal and civil court. So tell us a little bit about this process, Bill.
2: Uh, well, it's deceptively complex, to be honest with you, and I, although many areas of law have nuances or complexities or require an understanding of some partic- uh, very particular things, this one is almost a, um, a super area, meaning that the, 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 as, as, as the case develops, the complexities develop, and you have to get a handle on things very, very quickly. There are a fair number of lawyers in the state of North Carolina, criminal defense lawyers, uh, even uh, lawyers in Charlotte, NC, that do criminal defense. They're criminal defense lawyers. They're Charlotte criminal defense lawyers or Monroe criminal defense lawyers. And then there are also other lawyers who do family law issues, uh, domestic violence attorneys, uh, lawyers in, 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 in the practice of law who help people with things like divorce and child support. There aren't a lot of lawyers, in my experience in North Carolina, who do both or understand necessarily the interaction between criminal charges or allegations of a criminal charge for domestic violence or assault on a female or communicating threats or interference from 911 communication coupled with a civil filing, a protective order under 50B under the North Carolina domestic violence laws or the North Carolina civil laws. And and they're both independently very complicated. And it almost becomes a perfect storm for defense lawyers. And, and normally criminal defense lawyers are the ones that tend to handle the 50 Bs. Um, it's a perfect storm between civil law and criminal law in North Carolina.
1: How does that criminal process work? Like, what is that interaction?
2: That's a great question because... These type of cases normally start with a criminal prosecution, meaning the the victim of domestic violence goes and seeks a criminal charge or or makes an allegation of criminal charges in, in Charlotte for an assault, assault and battery, assault on a female, communicating threats in North Carolina, something of that nature. And as soon as they leave the magistrate's office, or they've talked to the law enforcement officer, however that process started in a lot of different ways. It doesn't really much matter how the charges got brought in North Carolina. It's the fact that there's a criminal charge. Once that criminal charge is started, then there's normally a walk across the hallway or maybe to a different building that involves something like victim's assistance or um, filing for a protective order. In North Carolina family laws, uh, we oftentimes refer to that as a 50B. Um, if there's a relationship or if there are kids involved, sometimes it can be between uh, strangers, a bar fight. There could be a 50C or uh, maybe, and probably less, less apt to be str- total strangers, but maybe someone you know as a, as a coworker or something of that nature where you have 50C. Well, now let me interject
1: mm-hmm. real quick. What is the difference between a 50B and a 50C? A
2: 50B, and I'm, I'm speaking because it's, it's, it's a really, really, really complex statute to read, but the, the simplest, most basic definition of the domestic violence laws in North Carolina, as for a 50B, it normally involves a relationship. Now, sometimes people confuse that meaning, well, I'm no longer dating that person. It could have been a past relationship. It could be a relationship where you have... Children. It could be two roommates who had no dating relationship, but they lived in the same household. So the statutes written in, in such a broad fashion to allow for the 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 um, the the different uh, iterations of how we live and interact with one another. So it's meant to be as broad as possible that to prevent or protect people involved in these inter- interpersonal relationships. So it applies to uh, uh, same-sex relationships, just like it does um, people of, of different sexes. It applies to non-traditional relationships, maybe with grandparents or and their children. It's meant to cover uh, basically um, any type of relationship that we have. Now, 50C, the, the line of demarcation uh, for me, the way I and try to explain to clients, is it's it, there isn't that same level of household type of relationship. There aren't the kids involved. But you may have a problem with somebody. So, so would a,
1: this be that situation like a bar fight?
2: Well, it could be um, if, the, if there continue to be um, interactions. Um, and again, it's written broadly to allow for a lot of different things. I tend to see it more often in coworker relationships or business contractual relationships where something's gone south and then they start going at each other and sending out, you know, em- embarrassing texts or emails, which some of these, you know, embarrassment is a factor uh, here. Um, or they're going to their household, pounding endorsing, I want my money. So I tend to think it more in, in the um, in everyday interactions. But there are instances where, for example maybe your your work as a server at at a local restaurant, and someone comes in and will not leave you alone okay and you now you've had no prior relationship with this person in the sense that yeah you know hey that's that's Freddie, and he comes in here but i, I don't I'm not interested in dating this person uh, I had one recently where a, a gentleman was in um a local store and saw a woman who was attractive and tried to talk to her you know he said he was trying to you know um you know you know use his, he said, I was trying to use my vibe with her. And then she wasn't interested. And she walked away and he followed her to another store and then he followed to another store and she became fearful that this person could be a harm to her. And she, you know, filed a 50 C protective order as well as a criminal charge for stalking. So we see them in stalking cases too, where there, there's no real, they, when I say relationship, it doesn't mean that you Have know a person and not know a person, there are plenty of 50 C's where you know the person, but it's not in the household or that type of traditional, if there's such a thing anymore, uh, of a family relationship or dynamic. Gotcha. Now, when
1: you're filing these things, is there any issues that a potential client might need to know regarding timing?
2: Yes. Now, this is where there's this weird crossover between, you know, lawyers experience with family law versus criminal defense lawyers. If you ask that question to a criminal defense lawyer, they're gonna say, Well, I don't, I'm not responsible for the filing of these things. Now, I do look at when they were filed relative to the charges, and I there has to be a service, a process, and they're they're looking at it purely as a defensive measure. Family law lawyers may sometimes help clients in a, in an especially in an abusive type of relationship to file them. And so, in addition to having your, your normal filing procedures for a complaint, um and in fact, divorce proceedings, it's rare that you immediately just file a, You know, an absolute divorce is it requires some timing requirements. This indeed may be the first thing that triggers many of the other steps in a family law uh, type of case. So there are timing issues on these things where, um, especially in very serious domestic violence, physical altercation cases between uh, married parties... You will see a fifty b, then there may be some sort of filing for uh, a separation, uh, temporary support, uh child support, which you know is very, very important, but the first step as a lawyer is to make sure that your client is safe so yes, there are there are timing issues now. There's not the same type of timing issue as you may relate you know consider like a statute of limitations, meaning. Uh, it's relevant if you're being cross-examined and say, "Well, when did this happen?" And you say, "Well, when we got married in 1992. She did whatever." You're th- there is an aspect of that. There's there's an imminent na- some, something's going to happen if the court doesn't put the the, the protective order in place. There's a, there's an idea that this order is necessary. In fact, that's you know the standards that we talk about where. It, in, it, and, and to some extent, it's compelling to the court that if I don't put this protective order and if I don't say, you don't contact him or you don't contact her, there could be a danger to that person. There could be a, a harm to that person. There could be additional embarrassment or um, mental. Um, uh, and it's not just a matter, when I say mental, I just a matter like this person's irritating me. It's, It's more than that. So, yes, there is a temporal nature, but sometimes people don't want to talk about you know, when they get married, and they say, well, it's water under uh, the bridge. And it may come up during the proceeding itself as to the reasonableness of the fair. Um But as far as the timing issue, we tell people, do it now. Get up there and do it now. This, you know, if you truly are worried about your safety and your well-being, why would you wait?
1: Now, we were talking about marriage
2: a moment ago. What is the effect
1: of domestic violence charges during an action for divorce?
2: Great question. Um, And the answer is it depends on what divorce involves. So, for example, if you have a divorce where you have the primary spouse or the the, the spouse that handles things financially versus the dependent spouse, meaning the spouse maybe isn't working or doesn't have the financial wherewithal to pay for where they live, it could affect who gets, at least on a temporary basis and possibly on a long-term basis, who gets the house. Or who gets to stay in the house, or if you have children involved, who has primary custody, or who has sole custody, and there are different ranges on this spectrum of, you know, there's someone could be mentally abusive, you know, I don't, I don't like this about you, or they, or it could be someone that's physically, you know, damaging or or, or harming somebody to such an extent that there's long term. Um, problems associated, not just with the person that they're hitting, but the kids. And so the, they absolutely positively can affect. Now, does that affect ultimately the alimony? Like if you're a bad person, does the court necessarily give you more of the, I guess your estate, for lack of a better term, or the value of your of your marriage because you're bad and you need to be punished? Not really. But there are balancing factors in consideration as to the dependent spouse what they need in order to maintain their their living conditions or take care of the kids. And there is a process, and it's a very, very in-depth process that takes sometimes months and months and months and months of looking through financial records. And a lot of the battle in divorce cases involve financial records and determining what the assets are and whether something was brought in to the marital, as a marital property versus individual property.
1: Now, you were saying it wouldn't affect alimony how would a domestic violence situation, if at all, affect child support obligations?
2: Right. Well, child support as a whole is is um, formulaic, meaning that there's a value set, generally speaking. There are guidelines that say that if this is your income and you have one child, this is the assumption that you're going to pay every month. If this is your income and you have two children, this is how much you pay each month. Now, and and it, the judges are still given some level of discretion and they can and they can deviate from guidelines in, in certain circumstances and if it's normally we see that in really big ticket type of uh estates or family values where there's the, it goes exceeds the value of of the guidelines meaning you've got you know bill gates money and the guidelines don't go that high okay so there's a basic level of, of pro- providing for your child and, though it's, and while that is formulaic and in large measure, to some extent, pre, predetermined, one of the more important issues is who has physical custody of the child. And as you might imagine, if there's a joint custody, like with with one person half the time and the other person half the time, there may be some discernment in the finances involved with taking care of the child where... If you are the primary custody holder or the sole custody holder, the amount that you receive for child support, palimony, would be more. And in, 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 there are always exceptions. than, than if it was joint, um, as far as who to, with whom they lived. I don't I don't know if that makes sense, but um, you know, child custody is not meant to be a reward to the parent it's meant to take care of your progeny okay and so it's kind of a basic premise like if you have a child you want to take care of your child when a client says to me i'm a good person i pay child support i'm like those are those those are two things that i i'm just going to assume that you want to take care of your child and so paying child support to me doesn't mean that you win you know a gold star or get a plaque on the wall and so these type of the criminal Uh, Aspect of a domestic violence that judges and courts and family uh, members don't want kids to be subjected to that. Heck, in divorce actions, we regularly tell people: do not discuss finances with your child. Do not use your child as an intermediary to say, "Tell your mom, I'm not going to pay this amount this month because I paid for this book bag here." Don't discuss um, visitation and have you know have tell your father that I'm going to be an hour late. I mean, we really—if we're that granular—mean I we don't want to involve the kids in the interaction because we're, de- we're dealing with developing minds, and and we don't want to. It's already going to be traumatic in many instances having that separation. We certainly take consideration of the fact of—is there—is there—are there physical assaults or assault and batteries in, in North Carolina? Are there criminal charges in Charlotte pending for assault, maybe even on a, a child under the age of twelve? And so, yes, it can, but maybe not in the way you would traditionally uh, think about it.
1: I know every situation has its nuances, but take us through a typical situation. The phone rings, you've got one of these situations taking place. Walk us through that.
2: Well, it's a great question because I, having done, or excuse me, practice law and done a lot of these different types of cases in court, especially with the protective orders and the criminal aspects of that, I have a way of doing things because I think it's the best way of doing things when it comes to criminal charges in North Carolina. So if someone rings my office, you know, beep, beep, Bill, Park 91, potential new client, uh, family issues, and, um, a 50B coming up next week in court. Well, when I pick up the phone, I mean, i even how you speak to the person from the outset makes a difference, you know. in you know, introducing yourself to tell them who they are. The first thing I tell every potential client, whether they retain us for legal services, whether we be, our firm becomes criminal defense lawyers to them, or our defense lawyers serve uh, as, their, as as represent, legal representation, the first thing I say to everybody is, everything we talk about right now is confidential meaning that there there may be attorney-client privilege that applies. Now, sometimes in finding out who the person is on the other line, I have to start with a precursor question. So I say the first thing I do is talk about attorney-client privilege, but I don't really even start talking to the person until I do a conflicts check. And when a person gets on the phone, they want to they want to vomit information. They, there's a lot of, there are a lot of things they want to talk about with their criminal charges, or there are a lot of things they want to talk about their divorce or separation case. And I say, time out. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I need to make sure that I haven't either represented an opposing party on this side or do represent an opposing party because I don't want you to tell me anything that um, uh, would be detrimental. So we do a conflicts check first. Assuming that's clear... The first thing I do then is say, everything we talk about is confidential. And depending on the type of case, uh, we will oftentimes offer a free consultation. Now, This is why it gets complicated, because I have to figure out pretty early on what I am dealing with. I normally don't charge for that initial aspect of the consultation. If it's purely a criminal defense matter or allegations of criminal charges for an assault, or criminal charges for assault and battery in Charlotte. That consultation is always free. We're not charging anything. Our law office um, provides a free consultation, You know, free advice, free legal advice, at least on the front end. If it seems pretty obvious that it's criminal plus, meaning um, I've got a 50B protective order hearing and I need some help, I want to get separated from this person, or... I just got out of jail and I am separated from the person because I now have been told not to contact them. I'll talk to him initially about that. And then I'll say, we probably need to have a larger conversation about legal representation and what you want our law office to do. Meaning are you only want us to handle the 50 B and the criminal charges, which are both criminal and civil, or are we now talking about separation agreements, support agreements, um, child custody, visitation, Because that transitions into hourly. Normally, family law attorneys in North Carolina charge hourly rates. Criminal defense lawyers, while we can charge hourly rates for legal fees, tend to charge flat rates. And similarly, for 50B hearings, protective orders, it can be both, okay? Where the, and this is what I told you about, there's the criminal lawyers tend to go with the idea of free consultation. Everything is confidential, flat rate. And if it gets continued, same rate. Civil lawyers, you know, if you use one of the, the databases, you click a little thing on your computer and it's a clock, and the clock starts ticking. And they bill, most lawyers bill it in six-minute or ten-minute increments. And so the perspective of how these things are handled are different. And that's why, well, I really enjoy doing these type of cases because it's both. It's not just limited to one side or the other, which I think as part of legal representation, makes um, for an interesting presentation because if you fully understand how criminal courts work in North Carolina or criminal charges in North Carolina work, and if you fully understand the implications of those criminal charges to civil actions, be it 50B or the other family law divorce-related cases, you start to see the level of complexity and the number of iterations um, or or, to use the mathematical term, the number of permutations and combinations of options, and so how you start off on the front end introducing yourself to the client, being personable to the client, reassuring the client is so so important and developing um parameters i, I know that's a that's and and i i get i'm kind of the if if this was the law were dungeons and dragons, I would be the you know the the biggest geekiest guy that has all the all the dye in his bag. That you know, because this kind of this, this kind of stuff jazzes me. I, it's so it's so procedurally technical and interesting and factual. So, it's 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 perfect for someone who has an interest in in doing multiple things in the law.
1: Now, if someone has an issue like this come up, obviously it tends to be pretty serious, and they need to. Talk to someone relatively quickly what is the best way or what are the ways that they can contact you and consult with you
2: right and that's a great question and you used a word i don't know if you meant to use but serious criminal charges and so we get these questions you know is an assault a misdemeanor in north carolina are, are assault and battery charges felony or misdemeanor charges in north carolina the key is the word serious because they're they're almost always serious when it involves a physical altercation what I like to tell people is, but you, before they call even and when they call is, you know, most people want to talk on the phone, at least initially, and then say, let's get you in here relatively quickly. And I promise I will listen to your concerns. i have a bunch of questions to ask you, but let's meet face-to-face, develop that relationship because the relationship is so important in the practice of law, at least at our law office. It's very, you know, the relationship is very important. And then we're going to sit down with you and kind of drive physically I take a piece of paper and a pen and I draw out how the court system works because even in criminal cases, a defendant just sees court. They see the officer. They don't realize maybe there's a DMV implication to something. They don't understand. And when you have the complexity of family law issue, I I literally draw the courthouse and I say, you know, floor one and floor four in Charlotte criminal courts are the criminal proceedings and floor, uh, you know, aid or whatever the civil proceeding may be, whether it's in Charlotte or somewhere else, has to do with the divorce. Now, here's the, here's what's really interesting, and it kind of makes my point: domestic violence charges in Charlotte, uh, allegations of a 50b violation in Charlotte, or trying to get a protective order in Charlotte, are done on the fourth floor, which is a criminal, traditionally a criminal court room floor in Charlotte as opposed to divorces, which may be up higher up you know, in the courthouse. So uh, that's why a lot of criminal defense lawyers handle them, because they're already there on the floor. It doesn't mean that our civil lawyers can't do it, but I think the important thing is to start just reassuring the client from the outset that it's going to take some time to get through all the information and explain the system, because it's so incredibly complex. Okay. Any last words on this issue? Talk to a lawyer. Uh, really... Um, Boy, trying to put the genie back in the bottle is is so, 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 so difficult. And you can have big-time consequences financially if you just kind of willy-nilly sign off on something without, you know, you see a separation agreement <laughs> that's filed. And, you're like, I didn't know I was doing that for the rest. We're like, well, you didn't limit it to a temporary or, what you know. There's a lot of contract. In fact, family law... There's a, there's, a, there's a whole theory that family law is nothing more really than contract contract law okay? versus litigation law. There are lawyers that in family law in Charlotte who never, ever, ever go to court or don't want to litigate court or associate our lawyers with family law issues because they don't want to litigate custody or battle over alimony where they want to do everything in a, a collaborative process. In fact, it's called collaborative law in family law issues in, in, in North Carolina. And then there's some, and I'll be honest with you, I tend to gravitate, I'm a litigator. I, my, my experience has been to go to court, so I tend to have a more comfort level going to court. So either way, talk to a lawyer before you sign anything. Talk to a lawyer before you take any action. And I say this, I think I've said it in every podcast, so I'm gonna say it again. In life, people oftentimes say, don't just stand there, do something in law the direct opposite is often true. Don't just do something. Stand there. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much.
0: You've been listening to Law Talk with Bill Powers, your resource for answers to your most pressing legal questions on your time. Ready to discuss your matter now? Call 704-342-HELP for your free and totally confidential consultation. That's 704-342-4357. Law Talk with Bill Powers is an educational resource only. The information presented on this podcast does not constitute legal advice and is not a substitute for consulting with an attorney. Every situation is unique. Therefore, you should always consult with a licensed attorney before making any legal decisions. Thanks for listening.